0: Om Om mangalam gurudevaya devye matrikshya mangalam mangalam Bhakta brindeebyo sarva lokaya mangalam om stapakaya cha dharmasya sarva varishtaya Ramakrishnaya mangalam om Sarashiva Samarambam. Shankaracharya Ashmar Achara Prayantam Vande gurum Param Param Om Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Mahishwaraha Guru Param Brahman das Sri Guru Vedam Shibha Naraji Ki Jay Sri so Namaha Jayama. So last week actually we'll started as where we won't light the duni tonight because of the extreme fire danger. Although today I went out just check there's no red flag because it's moisture here today i think tomorrow the santa ana winds come back and we'll have a red flag and so well, we probably won't start a fire we don't want to start a fire obviously but we don't want the neighbors to think we're being careless with fire or helicopters to show up (laughs) which can happen easily if somebody makes a phone call so we just burn some nice incense in malabad like the good old the early days when we first started it's been nice after the rains we could we could have the fires here for so long you know Hopefully it will rain. we'll have some good rain soon. So last week we read, we started reading um, from Swami Vivekananda's Bhakti Yoga. And we read, I think just the first ch- chapter, definitions of bhakti. Very beautiful. I'll read the first verse because I love, it's one of my favorite verses. It's like a, almost like one of the great definitions of bhakti yoga. Bhakti is a real, genuine search after the Lord, a search beginning, continuing, and ending in love. One single moment of the madness of extreme love of God brings us eternal freedom. And then he began, and Swamiji, we re- 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 read and discussed that uh, ultimately jnana and bhakti lead to the same goal or two aspects of the same thing. And then Swamiji also talked about the, uh, uh, the lower stage of the bhakti and the higher stage of the bhakti. Uh, and the lower stage of the bhakti, guna bhakti, vaidhi bhakti, Raghunuga Bhakti, Sadhana Bhakti, we use these different terms. And the higher Bhakti is Pada Bhakti, uh, Raghunata Bhakti, uh, uh, Mukya Bhakti, these different terms for the supreme devotion. Um, and then Samaji says, like, well, on, Bhakti is the thing that gives us immediate um, uh, rapturous absorption. It has a, a danger, just, just as it can do that, it has a danger. The danger is that all, can't say all, but much of what we consider religious fanaticism, is taken from the lower s- stages of bhakti, the unrefined. So almost we can't define it. It's not really bhakti, right? Bhakti, if bhakti is pure love for God, that's not pure love for God, right? Uh, but fanaticism is not the same thing as love for God. But there is, if, if you make the scale, it's very hard to put on the scale where, where, where it becomes love of God and has all these divine qualities, because even a fanatic has many of these divine qualities, right? Uh-uh. And, and we, well, I'm not going to retell the whole thing, but it's a very beautiful. I think it's, a, it's the introduction is genius. Uh, so then the next uh, section is called philosophy of Ishwara. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's actually very short. It's like two pages or three, pa- four pages, three and a half pages, but it's extremely dense. And it goes. It's basically quoting texts that aren't given, right? <laughs> and, and 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 defining, and defeating arguments that like were not established, right? So maybe. I don't know whether this is pulled from a larger discussion where he had, because I, when reading it, I'm thinking that actually a lot of, it's assuming a lot of uh, scriptural knowledge and philosophical knowledge of the audience, and I think this was to a general audience. Maybe other classes, he established some of these things, and maybe this is just the gist of it, I don't know. But I'm just going to read a little bit in the beginning, a little bit in the end. But I think I'm okay to do that, because the next chapter, or the next part of the talk, he says, that's actually not really important. So it's, he's doing it because you we we can't ignore it, right? But it's actually not by Swamiji's own... For a, devotion, for a devotee, all this too much, too much in, uh, this discussion on what is Ishwara and, and these arguments, also the arguments that are given in the old, the old texts, they don't make any sense in our modern way of thinking of religion. Even in modern Hinduism, we don't use those arguments, but ancient Hinduism did, so he dealt with it. So I'll read a little bit of it. Because one of the definitions of bhakti is that it has to be given to God. Bhakti, devotion to an ideal, devotion to a person, devotion to a philosophy, devotion, you know, we have love and devotion to our family, to our children, to our parents, and to our country. That's, although we use the word devotion, it's not bhakti. Bhakti is only for God. right? And so it has to be given to Ishwara. And uh, uh, so he's, therefore, the question is, who is Ishwara? So Swamiji starts. I'm reading from uh, Bhakti Yoga, uh, uh, from Nikilananda's editing in the yogas and other works of Swami Vivekananda. There are some slight differences in the complete works uh, 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 in some editing. But this is very nice. Who is Ishwara? And then, actually, it's is interesting because he quote, almost every sentence in this is in quotes. He's quoting from this text, quoting from this text, quoting from this text. It shows you Swamiji had encyclopedic knowledge of scriptures. He could quote uh, 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 from you can you can make a you can give a whole lecture only with quotes and make it make sense right uh, and he doesn't but the problem maybe if, is that he doesn't we don't know who, what he's quoting I know I recognize some things uh, this is from the Gita this is from uh, this is from Vyasa this is from I think that's from the Bhagavatam I remember something like that that's kind of version of the Gita but it's not the translation I'm used to that type of type of thing right uh, one place actually only place he, he acted there's a verse Purana 10 32 <laughs> the verse on the Gopi. That's the only time made there, and I'm sure the, the editor added it, right? I believe I'm not sure in the new edition of the the, of the great of the complete works whether or not it's going to be annotated. But I met one eccentric Swami, right, many many years ago, Kereshwara. I don't remember his name. Maybe better. Uh, and he had done a lot of work doing working on a huge project on an annotated version of of the complete works showing where each verse comes from every sentence comes from what text he's quoting from what he's all this because it's a, that's something right he was very upset because they wouldn't publish it after all this work he said no we have other we have three hundred thousand complete works in the in the in, the, uh, in storage <laughs> we have to sell those first he got all upset and he left the order and criticized them so, so he <laughs> i was told by one swami don't talk to him too much he's very critical <laughs> not that he's wrong that book I mean I want that book <laughs> but he shouldn't use that as an excuse that though they're not the devotees of Vivekananda I'm the devotee we come like that you know right so I, I remember that but so maybe it would be interesting to know where each verse comes from and to, and to, and to, uh, to with footnote to know each argument that he's summarizing but I won't so anyways lots of things are in quote who is Ishvara? he's quoting from whom are the birth continuation dilution of the universe he is Ishvara where that I don't like, but that means from the, the from where it comes, where it exists, and where it goes, or the creator, sustainer, and destroyer, something like that, right? So that's a simple definition. The one who from the the one who causes, or from whom the universe is created, it is maintained and it is destroyed. That is Ishwara. We may we've mentioned in our classes on the on the on the uh, that Ishwara has. Uh, I may forget the exact five but there's five qualities. It's like we usually think Bhagavan is the one who possesses six bhagas. right? Beauty, knowledge, power, fame wi- uh, 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 like this. Right? The one who contains all these glorious qualities that's Bhagavan. One who has bhagas. right? <coughs> so Ishwara also has Jaima, Jaima also has a specific meaning given the scriptures. Ishwara simply means controller. That's what it actually means. That's a, a clear... Simple definition, but it says the one who has the the five qualities of stristi stiti vinasha, the power to create, the power to sustain, the power to destroy. What are the other two? Do you remember? Revealing and and concealing. I'm forgetting the Sanskrit now. Anugraha, I think, is one of them. The grace, power of grace, to reveal, and basically the power of Maya and v- Way we talk we would say and Avidhima, the power to to, to cover and the power to reveal, right, grace or illusion, these two, these two. So that's usually considered Ishwara. The general thing is, uh, from whom birth, continuation, dissolution of the universe. So maybe it seems like a weird thing to have to define what you mean by God, right, Ishwara, right. You know, we say, oh, you know, we should have, devotion is is love of God, not love of anything else, right. So what what do we mean by God? But in, in the Western world, we have some idea, maybe not that clear, but everybody thinks they know what God means. Right, and, you know, it's like we are taught in our religion, we worship God. God created us, God, you know. So we have this idea, but it's not so clear in Hinduism <laughs> what what or who God is, right? Because some would hold from whom the birth, continuation, dissolution of the universe. There's no such being that from which who creates, sustains and destroys the universe. Some would hold the universe comes and goes by itself. There doesn't need to be a being that does it, right? So, so there is no need to Ishwara. Whoever did it is not Ishwara. It could be material nature. Right, that's a common thing, you know, so that, that's not a sufficient definition. Right? Or you can leave the other extremes like there is no birth, there is no system, there's no dissolution. There's only existence. Right? So there's no Ishvara. Right? So there's no creation. So you know you know, in in, in modern I say modern. I don't know what I don't know. You, you're in school right now, but, uh, but uh, a long time ago, when back in the, in the er, when the world was young, and I was in school, right, <laughs> in a previous yuga, <coughs> uh, known as Orange Coast College in Costa Mesa, you know, <laughs> previous yuga, uh, um, uh, the 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 arguments were like, well, you know, if you have a cre- you know people if you have a creation, you need a creator, right? If you have a it's, well, that's assuming that you have a creation. That this 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 doesn't necessarily mean that it was. There may be an existence, not a creation, right? right? therefore, you know, and so, well, since everything has a design, there has to be a designer. These are very classical Christian arguments, right? But they've made their way into Hinduism also, right? They're very similar. That everything has design, and what is a design? Design is when something that's uh, adjusted from means to end, and it seems to to have design. Therefore, you need a designer. The classic thing is, uh, like, uh, the watch and the watchmaker. If you have a watch, a complex thing, there's no example of a watch. Something as complex as a watch not being made by somebody—it just happened, or it just happened to be there or by chance, happened to be there material. But and, and the sense the world seems to be infinitely more complicated than the watch. Therefore, there has to be an infinitely more intelligent designer, right? So that's the argument made. But that may—I don't think that necessarily has to be true, right? Because another the other argument is like the, the, I, I remember the reason we know. I remember on TV on on Larry King or one of these they had you know the fake argument of that gets an atheist to scream at a at, at, at a fundamentalist on you know, that type of on something you know there's always the best the best examples of both, right but I, I remember the the the, the uh, atheist was arguing he says, well, the reason we know that there is no creator and the world just happened is here we are, right. Since it just happened, obviously it just happened because it just happened, and there is no God, so it had to have just happened, right? So, like that, that is a brilliant argument without without. Any, but the other argument, the same thing. The reason we know there was the a creator because here we are. Both of them are just as sophisticated. Neither one is satisfying, right? So, if so, whatever... So, I'm not arguing for and against the existence of God. Maybe such a God doesn't exist. Maybe it does, ex- does exist, right? But for Bhakti to be Bhakti, it has to be given to Ishwara. That's what Swamiji says, That the scripture says. So we have to know what Ishwara... What is meant by Ishwara, right? Not even whether Ishwara can be proven to exist, right? In the Bhakti Sutra, there's a very uh, uh, interesting section, right? It says that Bhakti is its own proof, needing no, uh, needing no other evidence, Right? It doesn't mean that that the God to one has to whom devotion is can be proved. Right. Only thing can be proved is devotion to that God. Right. Devotion is the experience of devotion that can be known. Whether the God for which you have devotion that that can only be known to the person who has devotion. It can't be known as an external reality. Right. So the, the subjective experience, even an absolute, it's weird to say an absolute subjective experience that can be known, that can be proved. Right. But not the uh, uh, exi- the existential reality of the of the one you're claiming to have experienced it gets a little complicated, but anyway, this is somebody's bringing up this point because there's a reason for it. By bhakti, we mean it has to be for Ishwara, and by Ishwara, what do we mean? Right? Not not even proving that such a being exists. Right? I'm going to upset people. Religious people are going to upset. But that's not the point of this talk, right? It's like what's meant by Ishwara is the one f- whom creates, sustains, and destroys the universe. The one who uh, covers us in illusion and one who liberates us from illusion by an act of mercy and grace. Right. He is Ishura, the eternal, another quote, the eternal, the pure, the ever free, the almighty, the all knowing, the all merciful, the teacher of all teachers. Right. And above all, quote, He is the Lord whose nature is inexpressible love. I believe that's also from Bhakti Sutra, uh, if I remember properly. Uh, so the one whose nature is inexpressible love. So what we mean by the one we're loving, this is, this is the, 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 what our object of love is. These certainly are the definitions of a personal God, Samirji says. There are not then, are there then two gods? Right. The the not this, not this, the Satchitananda, the knowledge, existence, bliss of the philosopher and the God of love, of the Bhakta so that so that's the thing is that the, not only the, the, the argument i was giving that that, that uh, the existence the uh, um, one view is that existence existence can exist without the one created it but the other view is like there, what if but i don't ex- i don't accept existence as an as a real reality it's an illusion right there's, on, there's only brahman if you want to negate all illusion there's only one thing existing right and that's not Ishwara. That's well, I mean we give it the name Brahman philosophically right uh, something like this right Atman Brahman Nirvana I mean, Anatman, you know different religions give it to the ground of being the reality, supreme reality we can give it all kinds of uh, 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 absolute. Uh, hmm? absolute. the absolute all these terms are philosophical terms usually not devotional terms not the God of infinite love. Right, the creator, sustainer, and destroyer, the object of grace, the ever free, the eternal, the pure, the almighty, the all knowing, the all merciful, the teacher of teachers. Right. <laughs> the the scriptures give us yeah. So um so the question is, so is the God of the lover, who does all these things, and, and the god of the Vedantist, who says, Not this, not this, the such an existence, knowledge and bliss beyond nam and rup, beyond name and form, beyond illusion, beyond create beyond or uh, uh, uh birth create sustenance and and, and dissolution, right? Is that a different god? Are there then two gods then, right? Are there then two gods, the not this, not this, the Satyatananda, the existence, knowledge, and bliss of the philosopher, and the god of love of the bhaktas? No. It is the same Satyatananda who is also the god of love, impersonal and personal in one. Now this seems, we, I mean, it's certain that we've, uh uh, uh, uh. i don't think that statement would probably like make everybody what that can't be you know your 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 philosophy you're 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 bringing two different philosophies that they cannot be but it in pre Vivekananda, (laughs) you could say even the western world this would this you can't these two things can't be the same thing right or weren't seen as the same thing by most there are some very sophisticated theologians, Christian theologians, and mystics that could talk like this, but generally this was not seen. And in India also, in, in, in uh, these were two opposing thoughts, not uh, uh, too much so in uh, uh, in the Kathamrita, the M's uh, second first, first second visit. It's like that famous conversation we've read it many times. Ambedkar read it many times. I think it's foundationally important to understand. I think there's one of the there's an infinite variety of t- subtlety of teachings of Sri Krishna, But if you were to give like one blasting statement that, that's meant to change the world, this is one of them, right? And when, when he asked, asked uh, uh, M, he says, so what do you prefer? And which one do you believe in, the personal God or the impersonal? What is it? Sakara and Nirakara. God with form or with attributes and without attributes. Ishvara or Brahman, in a certain sense. That's actually, philosophically that's what he's asking but actually in practically, it may not be what he's actually asking do you believe do you believe God has form or is he formless Exactly, you have to think there, the, uh, M comes from the Brahma Samaj tradition more than anything right he's not a, he's not a, an Advaited Vedantis that denies name and form he doesn't believe God has name and form due to a very Christian idea of negating uh, thinking that this is blasphemous and not real Hinduism like this right so it 's different but anyways the, the the question's there and 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 m in his own uh uh contemplation he reveals his mind and he says that is can what type of question is this can 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 de- can two things that are opposite be this ex- both be true right the question doesn 't seem right right you believe this f- or that like and he says it can with it kind uh, of the milk can be can a white can white, milk be black? can white milk be black right you know uh, uh, or uh, 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 and and some, it, it, this is the due to uh, aristotelian principle of non-contradiction is the logical principle right nay is nay yay is yay nay is never yay nay yay is never nay nay is ever something like there's a whole we had to memorize these <laughs> in a, a previous yuga we, mem- we actually did memorize these uh uh, uh <coughs> the law of non contradiction a door is either is or isn't open right you know of course a half door is not it's not, it's not, either, it's not in between it's, it's open <laughs> just a little bit right you know you either are or are not pregnant <laughs> you, know, either too, you can't be both or neither you know? <laughs> right there's a law of non-condition so but and so then he ventures to say well I believe nidakad sir you know that, that appeals to me I'm that's okay that, that, that's okay that's good right but don't think you, that this view alone is true Right, so that's that's a very strange thing to say. Somebody, of course, now it's not a strange thing because people think God, people like God with form. God, God is so many things, right? But that's post Vivekananda that we think that we, that this, this these type of ideas are, are become more, I think, mainstream. Um, so it's, a, it's it's actually a very big, a big statement. Uh, so Sri Ramakrishna said that that actually God is with form and without form, and then he says, and he's actually many. Thing, or he or she or it, however you wanna say it. Um, there's no uh, gendered pronoun in Takwar sentence. But uh, and she, you could let's say, uh, is many other things as well. Right. Well that dislike the door you're you you're you are both pregnant and not pregnant and other other things also. Like with well, that like, <laughs> the doors open, not open, open and closed and many other things. Right that these this is crazy talk, actually, (laughs) if you think about it, right? From a logical, from a Western logical, Aristotelian logic, right? But we're not talking about things that are, that are, that it can be described in this category, not that category. The two categories are due to the limitations of the mind, not the limitation of the thing being categorized, right? So there, it's, we're superimposing our, our, we're fitting it into what we understand, either this or that, Right, but he t- talk, When talker says, there's many other things. There may be other options that we don't know, right? And that's ultimately what talker says that God is infinite. The na- nature of infinite, it can't be conceived, can't be limited, right? So even even the idea, Swami even says that our idea, oh, God is unlimited. That's a limitation. It's a fake idea in the mind. We don't know what unlimited means. We've never seen an unlimited thing. We've never thought an unlimited thought. Therefore, the word unlimited is a limited thought. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pathetic definition. Swami said, meant for weak minds. <laughs> <laughs> he said, leave it to Swamiji to criticize people he's saying, oh God is formless, god is- li- unlimited, God is infinite yeah, stupid mind that's the same you know it doesn't, people are actually saying actually saying God is what I think he is, what I think he is is my own version of what I think my definition is right so 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 uh, so Swamiji starts with the word is god the the personal god of the devotee and the uh, absolute and defined God of the philosopher or the Vedantist or that type of mystic, are they the same? He says, No. Uh, it is the same, says Ananda, who is a God of love, impersonal and personal. It has always to be understood that the personal God worshipped by the Bhakti is not separate or different from Brahman. All is Brahman, the one without a second. Only Brahman, as unity or the absolute. I'm sorry, uh, uh, uh. Okay, uh, uh, all is Brahman, the one without a second. Only Brahman as unity or the absolute is too much an abstraction to be loved and worshipped. Right, that's the that's ultimately his point. Like, Ishvara and Brahman are the same being, right? But the idea of Brahman is too abstract. It's by definition an abstraction. It's a philosophical definition. It's a philosophical idea. It's not an experience. It's a, it's a conception, right? And that therefore that the conception, we can love the idea of the of oh, wow, what a Mind-blowing conception. That's that's not devotion. That's appreciation and excitement. You know, like I love one of my favorite verses in the in the Sannyasa Upanishad, is uh, uh, what is it? nirman um, Devata, right? Our deity is unlimited is unbounded, right? It means beyond definition. So I love that. That's what an awesome definition that that blows the top off everything, right? Or what's the other one? gagana siddhanta What's our conclusion? What's our teaching? gagana the sky. Right? It means that we our our teaching and conception is also unlimited, and our deity is unlimited. But to me, that's very exciting, right? But that doesn't mean that oh, therefore, you know, I just love the. Un- I mean, what, what, what's the object of my love then, right? Ishwara is the object of my love, right? But Ishwara's nature is non-different from Brahman. It's, he's also unlimited. She's also unlimited, right? It's important. So the bhakta, you know, it's too much an abstraction. To be so the bhakta chooses the relative aspect of Brahman, that is, Ishwara, the supreme ruler, Brahman seen as a, from whom birth, continuation, dissolution of the universe exists. Brahman felt as, seen as, worshipped as the eternal, the pure, the ever free, the almighty, the all knowing, the all merciful, teacher of all teachers. He, who, he is the Lord whose nature is inexpressible love. Right, That aspect of Brahman, that is, we call it Ishvara, that's that the, the devotee because you can't love an abstraction. You can love a person. You can love a uh, person. Uh, 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 you can love Ishvara. Um. To use a metaphor, Brahman is the clay or substance out of which an infinite variety of articles are fashioned. As clay, they are all one. But, from, but form or manifestation differentiates one from another. Previously, they had all been potentially in the clay. And of course, they are identical in substance. But when formed, and so long as the form remains, they are separate and dis- and different. The clay mouse can never become a clay elephant because as manifestation, form alone makes them what they are. Though they are, as unformed clay, they are all one. Ishwara, the personal god, is the highest manifestation of the absolute reality, or in other words, the highest possible reading of the absolute by the human mind. Creation is eternal, and so also is Ishwara. A few ideas are here. One is very nice is that Example of clay or Shankaracharya to to uses gold to use the same thing. It's like all clay articles, they're only clay, right? But, you know, a, 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 a two pieces, you know, a clay mouse and a clay tiger, they're not the same thing. In one sense, they're the same thing. They're both clay, but they're not the same thing. One's a tiger, one's a mouse, right? They can never be the same thing. So it depends from an absolute abstraction, they're all clay, right? All jewelry, all gold jewelry is only gold, right? right uh, and so and, and, and but this ring and your necklace are not the same thing this is a call, this is my ring that's your necklace it can't be more different than my ring and your necklace they have almost nothing in common right except that they are identical in substance but they have nothing in common <laughs> that's the very distinct thing everything is brahman but there is still distinction and in that distinction right ishvara is the highest possible There's there's no second ishvara there's only uh, 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 and Ishwara is, and very nice. He says, and he'll go into that in a second. But it's, uh, uh, is it? Uh, the highest possible reading of the absolute by the human mind is Ishwara, the personal God. Beyond that, we can't, we can't, except for a philosophical idea, we can't know it. And then he goes into a long set, because then it goes into, as I said, a part, a part I'm going to skip or, or skim, uh, uh, most likely. Uh, is, is in the scriptures, what, who is meant by Ishvara? Ishvara means a very strong person, controller. Well, I'm a controller, right? You guys are controlling, right? We control each other. We have, we have leaders that control us, right? And then you add to all that, there's yogis. There's scripture that says by their stint of their yogic perfection, you can go to some heaven world and become a controller, Ishvara. You can become a Deva, you can become Indra. You can control the weather. Right, you can control unit, You can come. You can become um, uh, 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 a prajapati, right, or a manu, right. You know, and and and, he, and he's is quoting all kinds of verses from from arguments of Madhavacharya and Ramanujacharya and Ishwara Putra and all these people arguing uh, these points, right. So are they Ishwara, right? And so he's argue, he's defending the fact that no, there you can never become. You can become a controller, but you can never become the supreme controller. You're not that type of controller, right. Right, uh, uh, uh. and as long as your creation exists, there is a ruler of creation that we never. And so even Shankara, when he says, when you say "aham brahmasmi," when you say "I am Brahman," you don't mean you can't say "I am Ishwara," except in the small sense for small Ishwaras, right? Because we're not obviously we didn't create the universe, right, right. Although we're not different from the one who created the universe. There's only the creator the one who created the universe is everywhere, including us, has become everything. But I'm not him, right? Like the the clay has become everything, but not everything is the same as the as as. Ishvara right So uh, uh, as long as you have a creation and there seems to always be a creation, there has to be the, then then is then Brahman is seen. the highest read the Brahman is the creator of that creation. If you see a design, the highest read in the Brahman is the designer of that design right uh, if, if you see an existence a support of that existence so you know you, uh, however you want to think like this that, that's the, the way we think. I'm going to skip a little bit. He's quoting Ramanuja, Madhava, and like this. Uh, 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 uh. We shall now try to understand what Shankara, the great teacher at Advaita school, has to say on this point. We shall see how the Advaita system maintains intact all the hopes and aspirations of the dualists, at the same time, propounds its own solution to the problem of consonance with the highest destiny of humanity. Those who aspire to retain their individual minds even after liberation, and to remain dis- and to remain distinct, will have ample opportunity of realizing their aspirations and will enjoy the blessings of Brahman with attributes. So, so, so that's a fear like that. That what if what if somebody wants to love God, the personal God, eternally? That's a desire then, then someone, there's many schools, there's some popular schools that would say, therefore you can't hear anything about Advaita, right? Because that kills your chance of devotion. Right? You know, it's like, but actually, even after the realization of the actual realization of, of, of the infinite, right, what's the problem with loving the Lord of the infinite? The the, the infinite Lord of, 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 of uh, Ishvara doesn't disappear. Right? If one wants that devotion. Then he quotes... Uh, Bhagavad Purana. uh, O king, such are the qualities... He quotes the Bhagavatam. um, These have also been spoken in the Bhagavad Purana thus. O king, such are the glorious qualities of the Lord, that the sages whose only pleasure is in the self, from whom all fetters have fallen, even they love the omnipresent one with the love that is for love's sake. And there's many verses like that. I don't know. I mean, I know I've heard that verse. I don't remember the exact. Where, where it comes from but there's other verses Of uh, there's one where um, um, the four, four Kumaras who are bl- immersed in the bliss of Brahman right? yet they smelled I forget it was incense from the altar or if it was the smell of Tulsi from Krishna's feet something some poetic thing like that came and immediately draw their mind Right. so does, does that mean that they fell from the absolute or the absolute is standing in front of them as Krishna and, and incense is burning at his feet and that's so attractive to the mind Right, it's not. It's not falling from the absolute. It's a love of the absolute. Right, it's just a different aspect of the realization. One's a little bit philosophical, philosophically conceived. One is emotionally and devotionally conceived. I'm gonna skip again. There's also examples Sri Ramakrishna gives. He, he quotes Prahlad as being one and, and, and um, uh, uh, Hanuman being that according to their state of consciousness, sometimes we feel, they felt, that I am one, there's only Brahman. I don't exist. Neither God nor I nor the world exists. Only Brahman exists, right? At a certain experience. But then, can't say coming down, but uh, at a, the... At a, uh, less feverish pitch and when one sees the beautiful creation of the Lord when, then one sees oh I am a servant and God's, God's the maker of this world right and so, so there's examples where Hanuman says you know it's like when I when I, when I'm, when I experience the one with the Brahman I see all the Brahman but when, but when I come down then I think oh you are the Lord I am the master I am, you are the master I am thy servant Right, So he quotes a similar verse uh, uh, as Prahlad. So when Prahlad forgot himself in meditation on the Lord, he found neither the universe nor its cause. All was to him one infinite, undifferentiated undifferentiated by name and form. But as soon as he remembered that he was Prahlad, there was an infinite number of blessed qualities. No, sorry. As uh, soon as he realized that he was Prahlad, there was the universe he form. with it, the Lord of the universe the repository of infinite blessed number of blessed qualities. Because actually by this definition in Vedanta, you hold that Satchitananda, existence, consciousness and bliss, that is reality. And Nama Rupa, name and form are limits um, superimposed upon it. Right. So when you're not conscious of Nama Rupa, you're only conscious Satyatananda, Right. But when, con- when Nama Rupa come, then, but that's not necessarily, Nama Rupa is, is a manifestation of infinite consciousness. Right? It's a reading of infinite consciousness. Then all of a sudden, once I exist, when I, uh, they say, oh, I'm, I'm a knower Brahman, that's already a lie, because you're saying I. You're already clean you're separate, you have a separate name and form. So I mean, Bhajana is a Noah Brahman, All right? That's a very, uh, it's the language itself reveals the, 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 the stupidity of the statement, right? Right, we're fooling. I'm fooling myself, very likely. I'm definitely fooling others by such statement. I can even make an advertisement and go on tour, right? <laughs> I am a tourist. I'm like, oh, Buddhananda. Maybe I make some money off this, you know, right? It's a very dangerous thing when you hear such a thing, right? Because if there's only Brahman, then Buddhananda doesn't exist. Neither do you, right? But as long as I can say, "Oh, I'm experiencing," it, then all of a sudden me. Then there's the universe that I see, in which I exist, and there's a Lord of that universe who is who is the teacher of all teachers, infinite source of all bliss, all divine. Divine qualities, is Shura. and then he says you have to be a little careful. He's this is a, 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 a reading of the Gopi story. This is not the classical reading of the Gopi story, right? This is the philosophical interpretation, right? Not not um, challenging the general understanding of the story. And Swamiji himself is not challenging, but this is a traditional one of one of the. Uh, um, uh, um, uh, ways of understanding a scene uh, as, as a metaphor of a, or a example of some spiritual principle, he says, uh, uh, or is it? So was the, so it was the blessed gopis. So long as they had lost a sense of their own personal identity and individuality, they were all Krishna. And when they began to think of him as one to be as the one to be worshipped, they were gopis. And immediately unto them appeared Krishna with a smile on his lotus face, clad in, yo- in yellow robes and adorned with garlands, the veritable conqueror of him. Uh, in beauty of the God of Love. That's a direct quote. What it, this is referring to a scene when Krishna disappeared. These are can be seen carefully because we're not challenging, the, like I said, the traditional understanding, but this is also a very deep uh, interpretation. Um, uh, 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 during the Ras, during part of the Rasa dance, right, there's one point where the gopis began to think, "Oh, I'm very special. Look how much Krishna loves me," and immediately, as soon as that ego came, Krishna disappeared. Right, so that's one thing. A certain type of unripe ego is there, right? But then they began to think, "Where is Krishna?" Right, and in that they began to imitate Krishna. Right, oh, I am Krishna, and you are, and, and they began to meditate on him so much that they began to act like Krishna. Right, and you because say, oh, well, that's but because it was but, so uh, maybe the, a punishment was losing Krishna, but by meditating on Krishna's leela, and they so identified with him they began to enact that leela of course you can think they are simply enacting trying to remember Krishna not actually becoming Krishna but in that form they were one with Krishna right but then, then they began to th- but because of that purity and their faith, false ego that I am special and Krishna loves me best was, was no longer there the ego completely disappeared then again Krishna was there and now Krishna was in between each one of them right and so now they actually had Krishna right the beautiful form to quote from the Bhagavatam again Unto them appeared Krishna with a smile on his lotus face, clad in yellow robes and adorned with garlands. A variable conquer and beauty of the god of love. Right. when they thought of him to be worshipped, then again, again he appeared. Right, so that's also taken. This is this is the way the way it can be. I'm going to skip a little bit a little bit more. Bhakti then can be directed towards Brahman only in its personal aspect. That's the ultimate point of this little discussion. right? The bhakti is for Brahman only, but Brahman as Ishwara, is a personal form. Right? Shankaracharya gives a new definition. I don't remember the exact verse, forgive me, but I do, I do know it, but I don't remember it just now. I remember the meaning of it. But he gives a definition of bhakti is a search after the Supreme. right? So that's a different definition. So, so when you're searching after the Absolute, that's bhakti. But that's not exactly that's a that's a, a, um, a, a spe- specialized use of the of the definition. We could say, oh, he's very devoted to philosophical inquiry, or he's very devoted to truth, right? You know, he has a great devotion to truth, and so that's not wrong to say that that type that's a type of bhakti. But that's not usually what's meant by bhakti in its classical sort. Bhakti means for Brahman as Ishwara. The personal Brahman is the focus of bhakti. Bhakti then can be directed towards Brahman only in its personal aspect. The idea of the unmanifest, and this is a quote from the Bhagavad Gita, the idea of the unmanifest is hard to attain for those who are identified with their bodies. When Arjuna asked Krishna, what is better? What is higher? The uh, the uh, uh, the manifested or the unmanifest? Right? He says, well, the unmanifest is difficult to contemplate on. Right? How, how can you meditate upon the unmanifest? The infinite, the unthinkable. How do you think about the unthinkable? Right? That's, that's not a thing. That's it's not a thing to do, right? You, to say you're thinking about the unthinking one is, is you're lying to yourself. Or You may be doing something that's important, but you're not thinking about the unthinkable one, right? The way you think about the unthinkable is to think about a thought that, that is the unthinkable one. That's called Ishvara. Right? That's the only way to do it, right? So uh, so he says that when we think we're the body, we think we're an individual, we think the world exists, right? Just to say the world doesn't exist, I don't, I don't have a body, doesn't make it disappear from your mind, right? So you think that, then, then the, to think of the manifested, the, the one who created the world, the one who Lord, the Lord of the world is easier higher, according to Krishna and the Bhagavad Gita The idea of the manifest is hard to attain for those identify with the body. bhakti enables us to float on smoothly with the current of our nature. That was one of the definitions from last week. bhakti is natural to our nature it's easy uh, 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 therefore it's easy imperatively we, we, we challenge this idea of uh, being easy. Right, because the reason it's easy not because it's for simple people and less intelligent people, it's easy because it's natural. Right, it's it's, it's natural. Uh, Bhakti enables us to float on smoothly with the current of our nature. True, it is that we cannot have any idea of Brahman which is not anthropomorphic, but is not equal, but is it not equally true of everything we know? Right, so this is so actually, we can't think of Brahman without without anthropomorphizing. Now, sometimes we think anthropomorphic would I mean, you know, God is a person, right? Either he's Krishna or he's Shiva, right? Or she's Durga, right? Or uh, he's Jesus or the God the Father with a beard. God, you know, that we, we superimpose, we, we, we anthropomorphize, we, we, we superimpose human-like qualities, right? On something that obviously God's not a human. He's not a big human, right? And some argument—he's a big human. That's an argument, right? That—that's—that's that's actually, he actually he's eternally a big human, right? And, and there's verses like that in the Bible. There's verses like that in the Bible. Tom, there's verses like that that can that, that actually God has has a crown. He has armor. It's his, his his exact description is given in the Old Testament, right? There's lots of anthropomorphic descriptions of, of God, where he sits on the he sits on a throne. What his footstool is, right? Jesus going to sit next to him. You know, like, you know, there, there's very anthropomorphic descriptions of, of God the Father also, right, of Jehovah, yeah, we, or what to speak of Vishnu, or Shiva, or ish, like that, right? But that's not even, that's obvious, so we, we're superimposing, and so the, the view of that, 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 that God, it, it really is a really big human, is that we're small humans, and we're children of God, and therefore we must have qualities of our Father, right, you know, uh, an, an infinite, un, un, undistinct uh, glob can't give birth to a distinct form. We come from so everything that comes out of the absolute has to exist in the absolute. So form comes out of the absolute, then God form has to exist in the absolute. So the argument is given that way, right? But that's not, you can see that's not fully satisfying. So usually we think oh, we're, we're superimposing, we're anthropomorphizing, anthe, something like that, you know, maybe missing a syllable. <coughs> uh, 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 um, onto that. But he says, but isn't it tr- equally true, but is this not equally true of everything we know? The greatest psychologist in the world has ever known, Kapila, demonstrated ages ago that human consciousness is one of the elements that makes up of the objects of our perceived our perception and conception, internal as well as external. What he's saying here is that even our human awareness, our brain and our perception is is a material element. Right? Actually, you know, we, we think of, like in the Gita, it says, earth, fire, water, air, ether. These are the five elements. But actually he says there's not five elements, there's Five, six, seven, eight elements. There's also ahamkada, manas, and buddhi. There's the ego, the mind, and the and, and the intellect. Usually, we think all oh, these are spiritual. No, these are actually material. Consciousness uses these things. So even our consciousness is materially ma- manifested, right? And therefore, so what if we think beyond the nature of of, of, of a limit limitation? The very instrument we're using to think of the absolute is, by definition, limited. Therefore, anything you think is going to be limited. That's he's, he's quoting Kapila. So we shall see in the beginning. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, so some. So therefore, to say that Ishwara is unreal because he is anthropomorphic is sheer nonsense. Okay, I, was, I don't want to skip this next point. Uh, uh, Kapila demonstrated. Uh, sorry. So we see that beginning with our own bodies and going up to Ishwara, every object of our perception is the con- this consciousness plus something else, whatever that may be. This unavoidable mixture is what we ordinarily think of as reality. This is interesting. This is a very Sankhya conception. That, And this is back to our world of forms that we're discussing, the platonic world of forms and, and like this. is Actually, there's only consciousness, but... W- all that we see is consciousness plus something, right? So we see, like uh, between, uh, like, uh, uh, like this this yoga and this desk, they're wood only. They're the same, but what's, so what's 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 the difference between them? Not the wood. It's are wood plus something that's not wood, maybe shape, use, utility, concept, you know, something other secondary quality, right? So that's true of everything, right? From from this world to our idea of ishvara. Is Brahman plus something? Brahman plus creation, sustenance and destruction is Ishwara. Brahman plus a body is us. Body Brahman plus something else is a fire. Brahman plus something else is something like this. Uh, therefore, to say that Ishwara is unreal because he is anthropomorphic is sheer nonsense. It sounds very much like the Occidental squabble on idealism and realism, with fearful looking, which fearful looking quarrel has for its foundation a mere play on the word real. The idea of ishvara covers all the ground deno- denoted and connoted by the word real, and ishvara is as real as anything else in this universe. After all, the word real means nothing more than what has just been pointed out. Such is our philosophical conception of ishvara. So, all this seems interesting. I mean, maybe not that interesting, but I think it's important. Seems to be important. But I think I personally think it's a setup for the actual point. Right? You okay? Okay, uh, <coughs> I should uh, for the actual point. So he continues. This is a different chapter, but it's the same. I'm sure it's the same talk. It's it's a it's a, a smooth. To the bhakta, these dry details are necessary only, only to strengthen his will, right? Our will and understanding, right? With some it, maybe it's important. There's a, there's a famous quote. I don't know who said it. I'm, maybe Srila Prabhupada said it, or he quoted it, or I think even Sri Yukteswar quoted it in his "Fully Science, um, so he's not quoting Prop. I don't know where it comes from. I think I've seen it attributed to Einstein. It's, you know, It's one of those that gets attributed, maybe Rumi said it apparently or something, <laughs> <laughs> or Buddha or something the like Gita. And, 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 but it's a very nice. It has a potential. But he says that like, religion, what is it, philosophy without religion? No, religion without philosophy is fanaticism. Right. And philosophy is like religion is dry speculation, right so there's, there's like that. so that's a simple thing. you can pull that apart. It doesn't really hold up that much but but there's an idea that there's a reason for it. we have a little bit of philosophy a little clear and distinct clear thinking is never a bad thing, right uh, uh, Because clear thinking destroys um, um, can see philosophy, I believe one of the benefits of philosophy is is uh, uh, to destroy uh, fanaticism, right. Uh, Swami so I mean, Paramananda has quoted me sitting here itself, but he he's, he said well, I've quoted him here before. Maybe where he says that the purpose of philosophy isn't to reveal the truth. It can't. The truth is beyond language, right? It's to correct falsehood. You correct false ideas. You clear your false thinking, right? But that's not always how philosophy is used, right? And the problem is that you can see it's like, oh, you have to learn the philosophy, then you'll understand, or let me let me debate you, and I'll prove you wrong. Right, it's used, philosophy is often used as a weapon in the hand, in, for a, fanatic, in a fanatic's hands, right? Because the philosophy is, a particular, then becomes, because we don't use the word correctly, philosophy becomes a worldview, a, a doctrine. Actually, the philosophy is, we use the word philosophy in religion, in a lot of uh, sects, uh, as the doctrine. Uh, doctrinal theology is not the same as philosophy. Philosophy is a pure interest in, in truth study of truth not the study of christianity or the study of krishna consciousness or the study of tantra or the study of advaita vedanta or Kashmir shaivism right these are those are doctrinal things philosophy uh, is just to to know to want to know the truth right and and you can you can study the doctrines of many religions and different schools because they 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 shed t- they shed a light on the truth right but they, they also correct a lot of mistaken thinking right we have to be understood what we're thinking why we're thinking what we're thinking So there's some benefit to the study of philosophy, I hope, because I spent a lot of life, or I spent a lot of my life, wasting a lot of my life studying (laughs) philosophy. I have a feeling I've wasted a lot of it studying philosophy. (laughs) Anyways, we're trying to get over it, (laughs) uh, correct it. To the Bhakta, all these dry details are necessary only to strengthen his will. Beyond that, they are of no use to him. For he is treading on a path which is fitted to lead him very soon beyond the hazy and turbulent regions of reason to the realm of realization. The goal the the, to the bhakta wants direct realization, beyond the hazy, turbulent regions of reason. He soon, to the mercy of the Lord, reaches a plane where pedantic and powerless reason is left far behind. That's our goal. And the mere intellectual groping through the dark gives place to the daylight of direct perception. This is a beautiful poetic section. He no longer reasons and believes. It's interesting. This is the, the two views of philosophy. Philosophy as an intellectual uh, inquiry and philosophy as a doctrine. Right? You no longer reason and believe. right? Because you can see people reason about stuff and people believe all kinds of stuff. And either, and some of them are, are, are uh, um, and I believe reasoning is important and belief is important, right? But th- they're not sufficient, right? right. They're not the pada They don't. are not the, the, the described as Parabhakti. bhakti. Um, he no longer. No, sorry. He no longer reasons and believes. He almost perceives. He no longer argues. He senses. And is it not the seeing God and feeling God and enjoying God higher than anything else? Nay, bhakta's have not been wanting who have maintained that it is higher even than moksha or liberation. And is it not also the highest utility? By he means is it not practical? Because a common... This is not the, we, we don't use the same language during Swamiji's time. This was a, 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 the, a, an argument against... Religion. It's not practical. It doesn't put food on the table. right? It doesn't give tangible results. This is all uh, belief in another world. And you die or beyond the body, there's nothing practical. Swami so, I mean, Ramathursa called hard cash religion. We want to know what's the, the cash in hand, how is, this, how is this practical? Right, so that's some. I mean, here is Swami's using it. In other places, I know he uses this, he defeats, he argues against the, this view, against religion. He argues against the view against religion from utility, the argument from utility, you would call it. Nay, um, uh, sorry, and is it not also the highest utility? They. There are people in this world, and a good many of them too, who are convinced that only that—that that is useful to man, which brings him creature comforts. You can see we can define religion this way too, right? People, people meet. You see, it's on the news all the time. You know, it's like that's not a real religion because it doesn't—it's it, like it's not feeding people. Now, that's a that's a natural human thing, of course. We should—that's a, a human uh, quality right? Uh, compassion and, 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 and service like that, right? But that's not the definition of religion. Religion is realization, right? right? It may be a, a, a outcome of realization, because your heart becomes full of love, and therefore you see the difference, you don't see difference, and therefore you become compassionate. Or it could also be you practice of compassion to purify the heart, so you could have realization, right? But the proof of a religion is not whether or not it feeds people. The proof of the religion is whether or not it's, been, it's good for culture. The proof of religion is not, not whether or not it, 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 it increases hygiene in a culture, right or, so, or, or has, so, has a correct uh, modern social stance. Right? The proof of religion is realization, if by the purest definition. Swamiji also argued and worked for spread of education, hygiene, equality. I mean he, he spent a lot of his life uh, fighting for these things, right? But he's, he's still arguing real religion is realization right he says uh, many people dismiss religion because it, it it's not it's not practical by their definition right and there's a danger in that uh, even religion god eternity the soul none of these have of any use to them saints do not do not put money do not bring them money or physical comfort to such all those things which are not which are not good to gratify the senses and the, peace, the appetites are of no use. In every mind, utility, however, is conditioned by its own peculiar wants. To men, therefore, who never rise higher than eating, drinking, begetting, progeny, and dying, the only aim in life is sense enjoyment. And they must wait and go through many more births and reincarnations to learn to feel even the faintest necessity of anything higher that's the thing uh, uh, course, this is we're expanding in another we won't get there I thought I was going to get there but we're not going to get there in two chapters later he goes into this particular view about doing good and uh, reducing religion into, into doing good by modern social his modern social or our modern social standards right but actually here it's more overtly it's like if it doesn't give me money it doesn't give me happiness it's, it's like that means mater- a materialist right and so it's okay that, that, that they'll have to, we'll have to, if we're in that state, we'll have to go through more incarnations and get more experiences, right? Until the need for something higher arises, you know, uh, uh, prosperity doctrine. Yeah, you know, then it becomes, a, you can see that's a major, you know, the mega churches right now are full of people preaching that the, that, that, that the, the, the benefit being, blessed, whenever in the Bible says, blessed, blessed means with happiness in this world right that's, that that's one that's definitely a blessing right right but that's not maybe that may not be the meaning of every time the word blesses is used in the bible it means money prosperity happiness success in your job and good self esteem and everybody likes you and you can be successful <laughs> you know it's like you know, it's like we can give you know just click around it's on the same guys on four channels today <laughs> he's doing really good he's coming to town too <laughs> yeah, he's coming to town soon you know we're, he's on, we're seeing commercials right and it's great that's wonderful right that if that's where people are right that's the thing and so and i mean it's you can you like, oh, yeah, we'll have to have a few more reincarnate we don't do like that. <laughs> right but uh, that's one example most people just reject religion but or you can create you can you can change the religion to teach just that right there's a and, and so maybe that's uh maybe that's good maybe that's the next stage of evolution from no religion to a religion that teaches materialism or, or helps one become mm-hmm. se- become sexual materially Right, but ac- or it's maybe that's a great shame because maybe that's that's a, a pollution of the original ideal, and it's very hard to get pure religion anymore, right? It's very hard to uh, to to uh, uh, you know where do you find a religious teaching that doesn't involve being happy in this world? Of course, you shouldn't. Be, not that we shouldn't be happy in this world. That's not my point, right? But that's you know it's like that's just a world of karma. You know, you, you work hard, you get a good education, you, get, you know, your past karmas, this karmas, you get you, you don't need that's not bhakti, that's not realization, that, that's, that's manifestation, you know, and even manifestation, that's another thing, Now you're manifesting, that's be, in, in, in spiritual, in our more subtle, occult, uh, 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 esoteric, mystical religion, not that common churchy religion that you hear about, <laughs> right, rather than praying to God that to get blessings, to be happy and successful and, 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 uh, in, and prosperous in this world, you can manifest stuff, Right by 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 evoking is that a good thing? I, I'm 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 very uh, concerned <laughs> when I see such things. right? The great the great uh, delusion it's a delusion but also a great um, pollution of the original religion, right? Uh, uh, and God will God will we pray and God will bless you for sure, but that's not the real point. I've quoted this Srila Prabhupada conversation, where somebody challenged him and somebody was not challenging him, but he was discussing in a book called perfect question perfect answers that uh well people pray to god for money isn't that wrong right uh, and and srila Prabhupada know prayer prayer is always good it's never wrong right at least they're praying they know actually people praying to god for money they know god is krishna is the source of everything all wealth he's the most rich he owns everything right so at least they know where money comes from right so that's good right and if they pray to god for krishna for money then that prayer will purify their heart and maybe one day they'll pray for pure devotion or liberation, or, or devotion, or compassion, or like realization, or right? So I like that. Sometimes it's a good view of prayer. At least they're praying. That's good. They're God-sent. But not the highest point of devotion. But even we, not be, we might be praying for money, but we're not at the highest state of devotion either. So we should be a little humble about uh, about our position compared to theirs also. Um, what time is it now? It's getting dark. I can Six finish. Or five. Huh? 6.05. Okay, we'll finish this section. It's nice. Um... But those for whom the eternal interests of the soul, oh, uh, um, uh, to such all those things that do not go to gratify their senses and appease the appetites are of no use. And every mind utility, however, is conditioned by its own peculiar wants. To men, therefore, who never rise higher than eating, drinking, begetting progeny, and dying, the only gain in, is in sense enjoyment and they must wait and go through many more births and reincarnations to learn to, to feel even the faintest necessity of anything higher but those who want but but those to whom the eternal interests of the soul are much higher value than the fleeting interests of the mundane life to whom the gratification of the senses is but a thoughtless play of the baby to them god and the love of god form the highest and the only utility of human existence that's the, to that to person, that's the only thing practical, the only thing wanted. Thank God there are, some, there are some such still living in this world of too much worldliness. I love this line. Right? In this world of too much worldliness, there still some people who don't want the world, who only want God. Bhakti yoga, as we have said, is divided into ga, gauni, or preparatory stage, and the pada, or supreme stage. We shall find, as we go on, how the preparatory stage was unavoidably state that. Uh, sorry, We must find. We will find out as we go on how, in the preparatory stage, we unavoidably stand in need of many concrete thing helps to enable us to make progress. And indeed, the mythological and symbolical parts of, of all religions are natural growth, which every environ, which early environ the aspiring soul. And help it Godward. Now he's talking about the the, the uh, uh, in uh, in our spiritual. We also need certain props, certain help. We can't jump, like we can't just that. Like we can't jump to the absolute. We can't even jump to Ishvara. How do meditate on Ishvara? You know, you know, you know the one who creates the stains and he creates. It. I mean, I'm not getting too philosophical. The one who creates the stains and destroys everything. Meditate on him and love him. What, the, what does that mean, right? In the Gita, it's, it's, you know, when it's in the, the Purusha Sukta, one eye is the sun, one eye is the moon, and the mouth is fire. So, so now you have his form. Meditate upon him, right? <laughs> not, that, not, not so. So there, there are things. There are stages, not stages, but there's help. There's props, right? That 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 help help us to contemplate upon that which is beyond contemplation, to think about the unthinkable, to love the Ishwara, right? <laughs> these are the rituals, these are the stories, the lilas, mythologies, these are things like that. The, uh, 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 uh <coughs> it is also a significant fact that spiritual giants have been produced only in those systems of religion where there is an exuberant growth in, of rich mythology and ritualism. Now, this is a big claim. You know? like, we, there are, of course, mystics, uh, and lovers of God, of great mystics that have come out of forms that don't have ritual and don't have mythology, right? There is Protestant saints. There is Muslim Sufi saints, right? There's, uh, 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 uh. but you know, Amber, you, 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 uh, one person was pointing out, like, not critiquing. Maybe he he was he was critiquing, but we won't use the critique, but just as a compare comparison, like, how many saints there are, and how many Catholic saints there are, right? How many. The number of Catholic saints pales the significance of Orthodox saints. The Orthodox religions, that reduce. I mean, they're creating saints and mystics all the time, right? Orthodox Christianity, Russian Christianity, Russian like this, right? Right. And how many saints are there in the Protestant religion? Right. We can find a few, the founders of this thing. We consider it to be saints, and so we have a saintly person, a pious person, right? But they're not quite in the same. Of course, they don't believe in saints. That's the problem. <laughs> the, they have the saint, sainthood of the all believers are saints. Right? I mean there's no hierarchy of saints. there's nobody of extreme ability, no, of extreme holiness, right everybody's, everybody's uh, I mean this is simplification, but I've heard a debate against the idea of saints from, from Christian uh, 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 theologians He says, Yeah, you know, there's no difference between Mother Teresa and and Charles Manson. There's no difference. Both are sinners needing Jesus to save them. right They're both the same. right none of them none of them are perfect and with if you're not perfect, you're not getting to heaven. Right, therefore, so I mean, one's better than the other, but neither one will go to heaven without being saved, right? So th- there's no, there's no, re- there's no glorification of the of the of, of the heroic holiness, which is the definition of the Catholic world of, of a saint, right? Over mystic is a whole other thing, right? So, so what so am saying exactly? The traditions that have that have have rich symbolism and rich mythology produce saints, produce mytho- produce mystics, right? And that's, I think, that's a true statement. It's not an exclusive statement. The opposite is not an absolute reality, but it's, I think it's it holds. It stands its ground. Uh, uh, the dry, fanatical forms of religion, which attempt to eradicate all that is poetical, all that is beautiful and sublime, all that gives a firm grasp of the to the, infinite, the infant mind tottering on its Godward way, the forms which attempt to break down the very ridge poles of the spiritual roof, and in their ignorant and superstitious conceptions of truth try to drive away all that is life-giving, all that furnishes the formative material to the spiritual plan growing in the human soul. Such forms of the religion, too, soon find that all that is left of them is but an empty shell, a countless frame, a contentless frame of words and sophistry, which perhaps a little fervor and a kind of social scavenging, and or the so-called spirit of reform. It's a big statement, but but this is <laughs> right. Those these austere forms that do away with all that's poetical, all that's beautiful, and there's some forms. There's without mentioning, but we have one of their churches down the street from us, right? That that uh, are are scourging and purifying Christianity of anything they consider pagan, right? So there's no festivals, there's no Christmas, there's no birthday, there's no, there's no saints, there's nothing like that. And, and, because, and maybe it's true, that's not original, perhaps. Maybe the things are, have been mixed in like that. But I remember one person who was a member of that religion, a family member of my family that, uh, who became uh, and then left that religion again, so that they've removed anything auspicious, right? Trying to get at the core, the core that may be the core, the core is maybe that this this pure deistic, absolute uh, uh, biblically pure thing, right? But there's, there's not <laughs> nothing, there's nothing beautiful. There's nothing left to make saints out of that, even if it's the truth. You know, you can have a form of, of intellectually spectacular and carrying a form of Vedanta that doesn't not beautiful at all. How do that? How would that make a saint? We've seen we've read such books. You've probably read such books. You know right right and and this is all that's what is it, all that's left is a contentless frame of words and sophistry right good good stuff right right and uh, a kind of social scavenging and the so-called spirit of reform. You also some of them become reform movements. And the real purpose of religion—none of this. All oh, we get all, we have to get beyond all this ritual and all this mysticism and focus pocus, right? And get into to the hard cash of religion and go and, you know, uh, fight for this particular right of what I, what's, what's, what we're thinking. That may be good, right? But that's not it. That's you don't make that doesn't make sense. It makes it may make healthy social reform, right? Society moves forward, the more perfect, uh, ever searching for a more perfect union, right, that, that could be, right, that's also a, a noble cause, but it's not the same thing. The vast mass of those whose religion is like this are conscious or unconscious materialists, right, the, the religions who are like this, whether they're, either they're conscious materialists or unconscious materialists, the aim of their lives is here and hereafter, here and hereafter being material enjoyment, which indeed is to them the alpha and the omega of human life. Ishta butra works like street cleaning and scavenging, intended for the material comfort of man, is according to them the be-all and end-all of human existence. Which is very interesting because we we also hold this. These are how auspicious that is. We should you know and and, and you know the, and, and and in in Thakura's life, he he uh, uh, who was it is. Uh, I'm uh, forgetting. Uh, it's bad. Maybe you remember where he he, he said. If God, uh, um, if God came in front of you, right, would you ask Him to to help you build uh, 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 hospitals and wells? You'd be overwhelmed with ecstasy, and your love would over—you'd explode, right—when you saw the Lord of uh, the universe in front of you, right, right. It's like, not that building hospitals and wells is not good. Some His disciples, like Vivekananda, has built the main hosp- the main hospitals in the name of Hinduism have been built by him right, and how many wells, and like this, and, and this episode, that's, it's not against hospitals and wells, right, but actually says, until then, you can do selfless work, you should pray, do selfless work as long as you haven't realized God, pray that you don't get attached to it, the problem is you can become attached, we start doing selfless work, and we think, oh, look how selfless my work is, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> you know, that, so that's a problem, and even that, you can, be, you can, be, can become a, 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 a bound by your selfless action. Right and selfless action is good in the world. Doing good karma is good work. good karma means good karma, right? It's good karma, right? It's good work for the world and it's good your own good karma, right? But it's not the same thing, right? Uh, uh, uh. That's why it's, it's, it's a warning. It's work like street cleaning and scavenging, intended to make material comforts of man, according to them, the beyond of human existence. And the sooner the followers of this curious mixture of ignorance and fanaticism come out, of their tru- out in their true colors and join, as they d- well deserve to do, the ranks of atheists and materialists, the better it would be for the world. This is very strong. Uh, <laughs> right? You almost hear it th- sometimes. You see in modern day culture wars in between religion and secularism. Right? And, and you know, the secular humanists and religion, they're fighting on this point. Interesting. Swamiji, you can see, is the prophet of, of secular humanism. Right? But... He's against secular humanism. Although he is the prophet of it, actually, the um, he actually says that this is the next, the next evolution of humanity, right? The the of Vedanta is secular humanism. We don't need we don't need any religion. We don't need to, to we don't need the prop of religion or any Bible to tell us to, to do good. we part of human nature. Our divine nature is to do good in the world. We don't need a religion to tell us to do good. To good. Or to define what good is, right? This is the next stage of re- evolution, right? But there's a we have to be careful not to use that as an excuse to, uh, for materialism, right? It's a, it's a it's a tricky thing, you know, because we see he's Ramaji's talking about bhakti, so he's being very careful here. Other places he'll he'll smash these idea of bhakti. All right? well, your you're stupid, you're stupid, your you're, you're temples and ringing of bells, and the living God outside is starving in the street right you know it 's like I, I refuse to hear any of your stupid talk about bhakti and religion and rituals while the, while there 's one dog starving in india he 'd talk like that right so you can see he, he could he could he could switch he 's talking about devotion so he 's being careful when he's, when he 's an emotional, he was a great patriot and a great social reformer right a servant out of his realization of his devotion but he's, you have to understand we have to we have to take Swamiji, uh, what he's saying for this particular lesson not as a universal principle down with all social reform and their religion that's not <laughs> with song of on book in hand let's let's go burn down the food dispensaries or something no, or in the name of food is let's go burn down the churches that doesn't work either you know so we have to understand what you mean he's talking very specifically about bhakti and i only have three or four sentences left and it's time to do rt <coughs> One ounce of the practice of righteousness and of spiritual self-realization outweigh tons and tons of frothy talk and nonsensual sentiments. nonsensical sentiments. Show us one, but one gigantic spiritual genius growing out of this dry dust of ignorance and fanaticism. And if you cannot, close your mouth, open the windows of your heart to the clear truth of light and sit like children at the feet of those who know what they are talking about. Right? So shut up. Unless you can show me somebody who something. Show me a Shankara. Show me a Chaitanya. Right? Show me a Mirabai if you can, that's come out of this type of thing. If you have then shut up. Right? Listen to what the, who, people who know what they're talking about. Right? Who, are the, who, are, who is that? The sages of India. It's a very emotional uh, crescendo. Right? Let us then listen attentively to what they say. So next week we'll listen attentively to what they say. <laughs> the next two chapters we've read. These are uh, during our our Guru Gita, our Guru Purnima. It's a need for the Guru and the qualities of aspirant and the teacher. So we can, if you want to catch up, you can go back. I think those have been posted, perhaps. Right, and then the next work will be the, the importance of um, substitutes and images the pratima, and then the idea of the um, uh, the Devata and the Avatar. And the uh, uh, mantra, it goes on slowly building the short things, but they're very powerful and concise, right? But I like it. These challenges, you know, it's like, if if, if you can do that, fine. If not, shut up. And let me tell you what's what. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about Puja and, and japa and avatars. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so do we have class next week? Well, we'll, we'll I think so. We have a... a, a hmm? It's on the calendar. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh. Unless something happens, we'll, we'll do God willing to check the day before because I have some some emergencies that I'm not always here, but you can you can see, but most likely we'll we'll give class. But thank you for your kind of, what time is it now? Six twenty. Six twenty. Any questions or comments? Well, Tell me. What are the qualities of Ishvara? I that. <laughs> well the the main is creation, <laughs> S- the sentence and the solution and revel- these are the things. But then other things like these are the five class these are these are a technical definition But then becomes all beauty, all charm, all ecstasy, the lover, the reservoir. Actually describes it as the reservoir of all auspicious qualities. Mm-hmm. Right? Or in the Bhagavatam there's one word it says Subhadra. Subhadra. Subhadra means all wonderful things combined. Right. And so we, uh, uh, we like in, in, in Western theology, we have terms like omnipresent, omniscient, all powerful, all loving, uh, all knowing, you know, the, all the omni words, right? We've told before one of my friends at, in, in my philosophy religion class uh, coined this term omni wonderful, right? Because an all powerful being may not be worshipable, right? You could have this whole creation be created by a monster who's all powerful. Right, just because somebody's all powerful doesn't mean you should worship them. Right, just because they're all knowing doesn't mean you should worship them. Right, an all knowing person. There's all, there's really smart people that are jerks. Right, may, maybe the one who created the whole thing is actually one of his You know, is a Nob-Daddy, Right, or in the Gnostic tradition, the one who created the world is evil. Right, he's the one that bound this world and created us and bound us. Right, the real the real God is not the one who created this horrible world. That's a demon. Right, there's there's I mean, those forms of religion for the most part died out but those were comp- those are competing forms It could have been christianity if if history went a, a few battles and a few arguments went a different way right and some books were found a few years earlier <laughs> you know, it could have it could have been different you know right. right but those that's not what went out that's not what we know right but that could have been the, the view right or you know and, 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 and uh, so that's that's not enough to make Ishwara. right so Ishwara is the repository rep- of the, rep- the divine qualities she says the omni wonderful qualities the things so not only that he's all powerful he's all loving or he's all love to go even further, right? Not all knowing, he's knowledge itself. Uh, he's, be- he's not just beautiful. She's not just beautiful. She's beauty, right? The source of beauty, she's beauty itself. These divine qualities. Uh, so all those qualities at their highest, these are the things we call God. But our idea of God isn't the supreme. It's only idea of God. It, it may be a very high idea, a very pure idea, but still not the thing, right? So we, ha- we can think of Ishwara, not of Brahman. Our thought of Brahman is the thought of Ishwara. So because we have quality. Place because, on mm, it, then it's considered saguna. Saguna, or yeah, 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 So then you get into another topic of of of, of subject and object, right? And 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 and, and, and that uh, anything that's that that uh, the subject and the object can never be the same thing, right? So how do you know if Brahman actually is not an object of knowledge? Only Ishura is an object of knowledge, seemingly. Mm-hmm right brahman is the subject its consciousness itself including our consciousness right so how could it know it's never an object of knowledge but some Vivekananda will argue in bhakti yoga itself and in gyan yoga that um, not argue he describes that that uh, that the objectification of the subject right this is what's happening philosophically is is uh, uh, is the ishta Right, that, that the idea—not just of Ishwara. This is a general idea, right? But the Ishta is our God, not just the God, right? So my the big idea of all religions that have in common of the big, the, the big God, you know, uh, the job description God, but our God, the one, the, the one that we meditate, the one we get close, the one we love, when we fall in love with, the ones that, that appear to, to the gopis, the one, you know, that that that, Ishvara, that, that is, but who is that? That's Brahman, that's the Atman but manifested or thought about right so we make as if an object of the subject that's one way we can think of it psychologically or the way Taka would talk about it is the subject out of an act of grace appears as an object right that's a a more subtle thing right Uh, Yashoda didn't tie Krishna Krishna allowed himself to be tied he appeared in this way right out of out, out of affection and not only out of our devotion for God that he appears this way she appeared but out of God's mercy that God appears God has seemingly seemingly created a world of form and of variegatedness of variety and therefore out of his own nature he interacts right although it's only him it's a very mysterious thing right um, uh, yeah very very uh, very mysterious this is considered uh, uh, so even that this act of grace of God appearing the self appearing as an object of of, of of our affection, and thus allowing the unthinkable one to be thought about, the unlovable one to be loved, the unknowable one to be known, right? Uh, become to become an object of knowledge. Uh, the experiencer to be experienced. If he, the experiencer is Satchitananda, he is existence, knowledge, and bliss. The experience of him is Satchitananda, It's bliss, right? You know. So it's not just bliss itself. Bliss itself has to be experienced, right? So the experience of the one who is bliss is bliss. Right, that's kind of cool, right? So that's a very, that's a, that's a very, very great mystery, you know. So you can see that by schools of thought, they can, we can argue back and forth, and different religions view like that. But Swamiji is talking behind the school of thought and beyond religion. Let's understand that the very essence of of the the most subtle thing is going on. Okay, we'll end there. Hariyom Om Tat Sat. Jai Guru, Jai Ma, Jai Thakur, Jai Swamiji.